Have you ever been through an experience in life where everything just seemed to go terribly wrong? But in the end, it turned out that life was teaching you a lesson. Join me and my guests as we share real life stories from people just like you about turning life's messes into life's greatest lessons. This is the Dumpster Fire Diary Podcast with me, Bobby Ort. Hello. Hi, Francesca. How are you? Okay, I'm so excited, girl. I get really excited easily, so I'm just going to let you know right now. Hey. Hi. I'm super excited, too. I was like, yay, I can't wait. Woo-hoo. So, hi, I'm Bobby. Nice well, to meet you, Bobby. <laughs> welcome to the Dumpster Fire Diary podcast. Okay. I'm awesome. so glad, so excited you're my guest today. Tell everybody a little bit about yourself. Tell me a little bit about yourself. Of course. Thank you so much. So my name is Francesca Conate, originally from California, went to school, went to university in D.C. I'm currently in Georgia right now with my family. And while living here, I decided to go to Japan. So I lived there for about 13 years. So my dumpster fire story will be related to me having to leave Japan before I was ready to go. Tell me right about about your story. Okay. So um, I always like to start with the good part because that's how life is. Starts off really <laughs> sweet. So um, always love traveling, going to other countries. And I realized I always got this kind of um, sad feeling when I came back home. So I thought, what if I lived in a foreign country and had my happiness last longer? So chose Japan because I felt I love Asian culture. Uh, quality of life was good. I felt like as a female, I would be safe. So I went there with the intention of teaching English for one year. Ended up staying a total of 13 years. And during that time, I got the chance to do everything from skydive, climb Mount Fuji two times, work with different organizations with the African community in Japan. So just a lot of eclectic things, which is my nature. And I could absolutely enjoy all those things in Tokyo. Uh, I would say, I think the second time I climbed Mount Fuji was in 2008. Maybe a year after that, about 2009, I started noticing a heaviness in my right leg in particular. Really didn't think anything about it because I'm such a healthy person. I'm living in Japan. I'm living like a great life. I'm eating well. I'm very active. So really, like anything, didn't take it too seriously. You know, obviously hindsight is 2020. But at the time, I was like, hey, you know, maybe I'm tired, didn't have the best shoes. What happened over time was that fatigue that I was getting in my right leg was coming more frequently. It was lasting longer. And then, so basically this is progressing, but in every other aspect, I'm fine. I'm healthy. I noticed that when I stopped, slept, rested, I was kind of recharged and I can get back on my game. Uh, Several years ago, it came to the point where I can't play with this anymore. I can't wish myself better. I can't pretend that this is not happening. It was impacted my balance. It was hard for me to stand or walk um, a long period of time. So I ended up coming back to the States with the belief in my mind that I'm relatively healthy. So whatever it is, we'll figure out what it is. Uh, I'm really into natural approaches. So I wasn't interested in surgery, but I'm like, if that's what it takes to get this done with, let's knock it out. What ended up happening in reality, what happened was two years of testing trying to understand what was going on. I had MRIs and it was the final thing that finally gave me the diagnosis was getting a spinal tap, having to get a lumbar puncture. From there, it was confirmed that I had multiple sclerosis. 
a little bit it had been said and it was talked about and for people who don't know multiple sclerosis impacts the central central nervous system it impacts everybody differently so you can have balance issues some people could be cognitive other people could be vision so it's literally a snowflake of an autoimmune disease you don't know what it's going to do how it's going to impact you and um, that's when my whole reality of everything that I knew about myself and how I define myself was just poof, up in the air. And how long ago was that, that you first got your diagnosis? I got my official diagnosis two years ago, but I was literally managing those symptoms 10 years prior. Got it. And I think that's the case for a lot of people with autoimmune. It can be so small and inconsequential and every other aspect of your life is working, so we don't pay it much mind. And I think that happens to a lot of people that you're managing it for years before you get the actual name for it. How do you feel like you're managing your symptoms now? And I guess now that you have this diagnosis, how mm -hmm. is that creating a shift for you? Or where do you go from there? The first shift, the biggest shift that I would absolutely love to share was that once I got my official diagnosis, I was absolutely transparent with everybody in my circle. When I was managing my undiagnosed condition, I didn't tell anybody anything. So I'm kind of dealing with the shame, the embarrassment, the what's going on with me. I'm turning down opportunities to go out because I don't know if I can be able to walk. I don't want to explain why I can't walk because I don't know. So the biggest shift for me, and I was still in a grieving process, I was still mourning, like this was this active lifestyle I had, and this is my reality now. But the first shift that I had was being transparent and just telling people, hey, I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. Um, you know, I'm embarking on this journey. I don't know what it means, but I was tired of hiding behind it. I wanted to be able to say, you know what? I'm tired. I don't want to go. Or that seems like a bit more walking than I want to do. I didn't want to try to pretend like everything was okay when it was not. This is my new normal. Uh, I don't accept it because I, usually what I say is I'm diagnosed with MS. I don't say I have MS because I'm not claiming that label. But I will be very clear that this impacts my energy level. How far I can go, what I will want to, what the things that I want to do. And I feel like for me, that transparency and that saying this is what it is was the biggest um, thing that I could do at that time to shift into growing into my new normal. I mean, it still took a process. I would say, even though I came out and said, this is what I have, it was probably another year or two before I was back up to speed in terms of living my best life on my terms. But that first step was just to say, hey, there's this thing out there and um, evidently I've been diagnosed with it, but I'm still me. So that was, that was a turning point for me. Awesome. Apart from being transparent with your family and your circle, mm -hmm. what mm -hmm. else helped you? I'm sure there was just thinking about my sister has Crohn's and some other people okay. that have okay. issues like this. There's usually a mourning phase. You probably were mourning Correct. some of the things that you used to do. Um, what else did you do besides being transparent with your circle that helped you get through it and or to shift the mindset now that you're going to conquer, you know, you're still able to do whatever you Actually, want. Right. A little bit slower, a little bit adaptive, but it's OK. Actually, I can really say the biggest turning point for me. So like you said, I did the the transparency, but still kind of in my feelings, still not wanting to be out, still not wanting to be social. 
and I think it was in 2016. Every year I'm in Atlanta, Georgia. Every year they have a big Japanese festival. And I was really missing Japan and I wanted to go, but I was scared because it's held at a really big convention center. And I'm like, that's way too much walking. The weekend it was being held, it's held annually. It was raining really hard. And I was like, man, do I really want to risk that? And it was a really back and forth for me. I ended up going. And the thing that was a turning point for me was that I went with my sister and my nephew and we had, I had a really big umbrella. Right. And when we went inside, I actually started using it kind of like a cane. And that was my turning point, because up until then, I'm like, I'm strong. I can do it. I will. I will push through whatever I have to do when I use the umbrella. And I was like, oh, maybe I should get a cane. And that being my feelings that me using a cane means I'm accepting I'll have to do this forever. It is a tool for what I need to do at this point in time. And that was a turning point because I was like, if I didn't use that. I would have still been sitting in the house feeling like I can't do anything. The next day I went about a cane. I was like, okay, I do have a little bit more mobility than I thought. I do have a little bit more independence than I thought. That was a major turning point is just accepting whatever help I needed at that time without feeling like, well, I never needed a cane before. I've never been in this position before. So there was no need to compare to what I didn't need in the past because this is what I need now. I love that. I, you may not know, I've been a paramedic for about 15 years. So, oh, wow. you know, I've seen different illnesses and tragedies affect people. And so using tools, it's not a sign of weakness. It's just, you know, helping you to live exactly. a better life. But it's so psychological because we feel like we are in a society that's constantly judging. So now I'm feeling like, okay, she has a cane. What's wrong with her? And then actually what I do in my mind, I don't need to do it anymore. But initially I was like, I'm, I'm athletic. Maybe they think like I'm making this whole backstory. I'm a basketball player and I sprained my ankle and I have to use my cane until I've recovered. You know, so instead of being like, she probably has a chronic illness and we'll be using that indefinitely. I was like, no, no, no. In my mind, I'm temper. This is temporary. In my mind, my attitude was like, hey, this is no biggie. You know, like you don't know me, so I can make any story that I want that makes me get through this. Right. Yeah. It doesn't matter that I've been using it for three years or however long. Like, as far as you know, I sprained my ankle in the game game winning shot. <laughs> you understand? And this is just my little recovery time. <laughs> That's great. I love it. So did you what lessons would you say you took away from all of this going forward? And like if you were to share, mm-hmm. I mean, the goal of this podcast is to basically help reassure people to know that they're not alone. We all have struggles. We all Mm -hmm. go through things and I want to help people know that they're not alone and then give them tips, tools, tricks to help them get through it. Um, and, or maybe share a life lesson or the lesson that you learned out of this that could maybe help somebody else going forward. The first thing I would say is that anything that happens to you does not define you. So whether it be financial, emotional, physical, these things do not define you. And I think we need to start, stop assuming our identity is by what other people can see and judge. So this happened to me. I judged myself more than anybody else. Actually, maybe that's the first thing I would say. Be gentle to yourself because you're thinking people are judging you. They've got their own problems. They literally don't have the time to be judgmental. They're fighting their own things. So for us to not internalize Um, the sadness to the point where we think people are judging us based on these things. I had so many people tell me, your personality is the same. It has not changed. This is your essence. 
And it took me a while to understand that, yes, my physical ability, my mobility was important to me. That is not who I am. So that's the first thing. Don't don't take it personal. Don't take it as your identity. Don't wear it as um, that label or something that you're embarrassed of. It's who you are. Nobody plans for any of these things. We process it. I think the other thing, once I got out of the woe is me phase, I started looking for inspirational people and inspirational content. So I am very adamant. I do not listen to anything negative. If you even act like you're going down the negative road, it's going to get cut. Don't have the energy for it. I don't even want to ignore you. That's how much I don't want to be bothered. I would just rather not even be bothered. So that is very important. And in that, I started learning about so many amazing people. Like there was actually a man. He is a quadriplegic. He climbed Mount Everest. So I'm sitting here like, so do I really want to feel bad for myself because I have the use of my legs? I can walk outside. I have the cane. This man has no limbs and he climbed Mount Everest. I'm super adamant about the energy and the thoughts that we have. And for people who are mindful or not mindful to consider, our thoughts create energy, creates emotions, creates hormones, creates a reaction in our body. We can absolutely believe that because we know that stress kills. We know that people can get sick from illness. So why can't we maintain or get better from positive energy and positive thoughts? So I literally do not have the energy. And I also feel that um, I'm not judgmental of it because I've been there and it's okay to be there, but don't stay there. That's the bottom line. Go ahead, be in your feelings. You have to mourn, you have to grieve. Do it in your own time. There's no time limit. There's no expectation but always in your mind have that when I'm done and I get up, I'm not coming back to this place again. I can have a down day, but I'm never going back to, you know, what it was a couple of years ago when I was questioning my whole purpose and identity and my new reality. You said something earlier about um, when you got your diagnosis, focusing on your diagnosis on what you can do, what you're capable of. Life is about adapting and rolling. So you are absolutely, you're well, you're good. Oh man, so you were telling us about what you're doing now. Um, I obviously would like to know if you want anybody to be able to connect with you, share where they can connect with you. Oh, that's so lovely. Um, Sure, they can, I can send you my information (laughs) for my name. I'm not doing anything specifically like that. I'm working on projects like right now. I'm so much about creating relationships and kind of matching people together. So that's what I did. About a month or so ago, I published a journal, self-guided journal for, it's for multiple sclerosis warriors, but anybody with the autoimmune disease actually can use it to change that mindset. So kind of like what we're talking about, that positive mindset. So I'm going to work on that and relaunch it and make it more um, approachable for anybody who's got an autoimmune disease, because it's just, it's so challenging. You feel like your body's betraying you and your desire to live your best life has been diminished. And so this is trying to give that mindset, like I said, focus on the things that make you happy. Um, Be be gentle with yourself. Go ahead and have those bad days, but let it be a day and not a week or month and then keep it moving again. So working on different um, projects and things like that. But yes, I can give you uh, the information. So if anybody wants to reach out to me on Facebook or Instagram, I'm always happy. Well, I appreciate you so much being my guest today sorry for the little bit of difficulties and we'll be in touch 
That sounds fantastic. Thank you for the opportunity and have a wonder. Oh, and I wanted to say oh, this real yeah. quick. Anything. Shout out to all your superheroes on the back of your wild girl. I'm so infamous <laughs> for wearing like Marvel t-shirts. I'm like, oh, Wolverine, Batman. And I'm for Wolverine because he always can heal himself again. So shout out to all the superheroes on the back of the wall. I'm a friend of that. I like the the idea of we all, you said MS is going to be your superpower. And exactly. So I'm always like, I... My superpower, I, I'm an overly emotional person sometimes. Okay. And I'm like, I'm going to use my emotions as my superpower. Like, nice. you know, because you see it, you talked about inspirational people. There's people like Tony Robbins and stuff, right. you know, they, they cry all the time. And right, I used right, to see right, crying, right. you know, as a sign of weakness. And I'm like, no, this is going to be my to superpower. Opposed to releasing and creating. You're letting something out so that you can create a space to make something more intentional moving forward. So. I encourage that, support it, and absolutely love your picture on the wall. <laughs> thank you. My pleasure. I love your message, and thank you so much for joining me. A joy. Thank you, too. Take, Take care. Take care of yourself. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>